0: If you'll turn with us tonight to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number six, and uh, I want to actually chapter five and chapter six tonight. We'll read a, a portion of scripture and then you can be seated. Ephesians chapter five. And We'll begin in verse number 14 and I just want to read a few selective verses tonight and then you can be seated. Brother Wilson's already prayed for us so we won't pray. We'll just read this passage and then let you be seated. Ephesians 5 and verse number 14. The Bible said, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Then look at verse twenty-eight: "Sought men to love their wives, even as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. Even as the Lord the church; for we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bone. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall t- shall two they two t- shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning in Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Look at chapter six and verse one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Then verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And the Lord, the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to st- stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation, the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints thank you you can be seated tonight I know that's a lengthy portion of reading more than I would normally read but I felt like it would be necessary uh, to read these scriptures tonight and to put them together uh, concerning the subject that we want to preach on uh, tonight now we know that when We come to the uh, the book of Ephesians tonight. We know that Paul is writing to the church. Isn't that right? He's writing to the church of Ephesus. Now, Uh, Paul, as he is writing to this church, we know that this is a church epistle. In fact, if you go back to chapter number one, uh, Paul makes it clear throughout the entire epistle uh, that the emphasis is on the church. He will talk about the family, talk about the home in chapter five and in chapter six, but even in verse number 32, he said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So Paul was a church man writing a church epistle to the local church there at Ephesus. In fact, if you go back to chapter number one, Paul tells us uh, when he talks about the church that the church uh, is a blessing that can never be depleted, amen? A church just keeps on giving and keeps on giving. In chapter two, he tells us that the church uh, is a building that can never be demolished, amen? In chapter three, he tells us that the church uh, is a brotherhood that can never be dissolved, amen? In chapter four, the church is a body that can never decompose. Uh, in chapter five, she's a bride that can never be divorced. In, the, uh, in chapter six, the church is a battalion that can never be defeated, amen? So the emphasis is all on the church uh, in this epistle. But I think you'll agree with me tonight that when you come to chapter five and chapter six, that woven within this text here, uh, Paul emphasizes the home, amen? He talks about the husband and the wife. He talks about the children. And then we come to chapter six and. verse verse 10, and he talks about the spiritual warfare that takes place. Amen? In chapter 5, he tells us to be filled with the Spirit, but in chapter 6, he talks about that we're in a battle. Amen? It's a spiritual battle tonight. Well, when you think about the verses that we've read tonight, and all that Paul is dealing with, I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject, on the war on the home. Amen? The war that is on the home. I tell you, we're living in a day when the war is on the home amen i mean all of hell has launched a war an all-out war on the family unit in this hour that we're living in and what we find in these verses that we've read tonight is four things i want to give you that the Apostle paul deals with and though he's dealing with the church I think you'll see this tonight he's also dealing with the home i want you to see first of all in verse number 14 down to verse number uh, down to verse number 21 he talks about about the christianity in the home and notice in verse number 14 he talks about the sunlight of christianity the sunlight of a christian home he said wherefore he saith awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and notice this christ uh, shall give thee light i'm not talking about the s u e when i say sunlight i'm talking about the s o e the sunlight of the christian home if you want to have a christian home tonight and if 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 I want to have a Christian home tonight, then Christ has to be supreme, amen? He has to be the main emphasis within the home and that is the sunlight of a Christian home. It's when Christ is elevated within the walls of our home, with our family. And so he talks about the sunlight of a Christian home, the Christianity in the home. Then he talks about the steps of a Christian home. Look what he said in verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That word circumspectly means to walk very carefully, very cautiously, amen? I'm telling you, in raising a family, in having a spouse, a husband or a wife, you and I need to be careful. We need to be circumspect about our home tonight. Don't just throw your children to the wind. Don't just think bringing them to a good old-fashioned church is gonna make them turn out right. No, you gotta go home and put it in shoe leather. You gotta have God in your home, amen? i tell you, there's been a lot of young people Went to hell in a good old fashioned Bible believing fundamental Baptist church. uh, If you want them to be saved and be spirit filled, uh, you're going to have to take the right measures uh, and the right steps uh, to have a Christian home. Amen. You got to be aware. You got to be alert. You you got to be concerned about your home. Amen. I see the steps of of a Christian home. There's the strategy of a Christian home. Look at verse 16 redeeming the time because the days are evil. Can I tell you what to do with your home tonight? Redeem the time. Make as many memories as you can with your family. And may I say the greatest memory you'll ever make is going to church together but make memories with your children. Make memories with your wife. Uh, you listen, you say, well, we've been married a long time. Brother Danny was talking about that this morning and thank God for, for that. Thank God for longevity in marriage. Thank God for longevity in the home. But can I tell you something? Them children, when they're born into this, uh, into your family, from the time that they're born into your family till the time that they walk out that door, can I tell you something? You better make every second count. You better make every moment count. You better make every week count. Count. You better make every day count. You know why? Because you're gonna blink and it's gonna be over with and they're gonna be gone and we don't get a chance to redo it, amen? You got to purchase, you got to buy up, you got to redeem the time. Hey, that's the strategy in a Christian home is that we don't waste the days that God has given us together, amen? It was funny, me and my wife was talking this afternoon about somebody we knew that, that, uh, that got married and ha- or got remarried later in life. And of course, we're not against that by no means. But, but I told her, I said, you know what? I said, I, if something happened to you before me, I would never remarry. For several reasons, nobody ever put up with me like she has. Amen. And then she said, I'd never remarry because you're the best thing that ever happened to me. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> I'm lying. I hope she believes it, but I doubt it. <laughs> you know what? We were just talking. uh, And you know what? But the the time, the memories, you better make the most of it. Don't waste your days. Don't get so busy making a living that you don't make a life, friend there's more to life than money and the precious commodities of life that you have is your wife, your husband your children, that's the strategy of a Christian home is that we value our family more than we do the dollar amen, I know you have to work I know you have to have to have a job and, and you've got to do that and I'm not fussing if you work overtime, I'm not fussing about that, I'm just telling you don't you get so busy in life uh, that you let the hours and the days slip by because you only get one chance to be together and it's going to be gone one thing you say well I don't even have any children no but I'll tell you what it won't be long uh, and listen that spouse that you've held hand in hand for years together one of you is going to make the cross and if the rapture don't take place uh, so make every day count amen then there's the sanity of a Christian home look what he said in verse 17 wherefore be ye not unwise but understanding well, notice this what the will of the Lord is you know what the sanity of a Christian home is that we're in the center of God's will Mom in the will of God, dad in the will of God, children in the will of God, going to the right church in the will of God. See, it's not the church of our choice. You say, well, I don't like my pastor. I hope that's not you tonight. I hope if anybody thinks that way, I hope you're a visitor. Amen? But I'm telling you, listen, you don't get to choose me and I don't get to choose you. Amen? And so we just, it's about being in the will of God. It's, you say, well, there's another good church here, another good church there. You know, I've seen preachers even do that. They think, well, that's a good church. I think I'll just resign this church and go take that church. If it's not the will of God, it doesn't matter how great a church it is. Uh, if it's not where God wants that man at, he's better off to stay put and stay in that church. Uh, and that goes for for the preacher and that goes for the church members amen you're to be where God puts you until God gives you other orders and assigns you somewhere else I, I'm talking about the sanity of the Christian home is that you're in the will of God are you in the will of God on your job are you in the will of God in your Christian life tonight are you serving the Lord the sanity and then the spirituality of a Christian home look what he said in verse 18 and be not drunk with wine where it is excess but be filled with the spirit Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not an option, it's a command. And tonight as a Christian, it's God's will that first of all, that every person be saved. Secondly, that every person be spirit filled. God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That's not some mystical or sensational feeling. It's not some Pentecostal charismatic uh, experience. But what that means is that I have surrendered my will to God's will. I have yielded to him. I have emptied myself uh, of self uh, and I'm allowing his word and his presence uh, uh, to overtake my life. Uh, And friend, that's not a one-time act. That's an everyday act. We have to surrender. That's why Paul said I die daily. And my friend, can I tell you, the spirituality of any home is that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. I thank God for standards, and you know as well as I do, we've got to have standards in our life, but you can have standards, you can be gun barrel straight and twice as empty, amen? I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of people in church, uh, they had their list and they had standards, and you know I'm against and for every bit of that, but I'm telling you, if you don't have a relationship with God, if the motive is just so you can boast and brag and say, well, I've got these things in my life, hey, I'm gonna tell you something, the holier you and I get, the more humble we're gonna get, amen? Uh, the closer we get to God, the more we're gonna see ourselves, and the uglier that's gonna look, uh, and it's gonna put us in the right place. Uh, but I'm talking about, friend, it's got to be about a relationship with the Lord, amen? Spirituality of the home, or your spirit-filled husband, or your spirit-filled wife, or your spirit-filled young people tonight. And then there's the songs of a Christian home. Look at verse number 19. Speaking yourself in psalms, And hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, what about that? I don't have a commentary with me right now, but the best I can see, there's no country music in verse 19. Y'all look at that real close now. I I mean, uh, there's no rock music in there. There's no contemporary music. There's music there that is psalms and, and hymns and, and spiritual songs uh, and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hey, I want to tell you something. The songs of a Christian home uh, are songs that honor and they glorify and they magnify the Lord. You can't go home from a church service uh, on Sunday night uh, and go in and put in, uh, you know, some country song or some rock song uh, and listen, your home be spirit filled. Uh, that's not a Christian home. Uh, I'm telling you, that's confusing to young people when you drag them to church on Sunday and you play Hank Williams or whoever else is singing now I reckon old Hank's about out now amen but I'm telling you you can't play the world's songs through the week and sing God's songs on Sunday it just don't work that way you can do that but that's a double standard that's double minded and you'll warp your young people I'm telling you friend our homes ought to be our church ought to be an extension of our home hallelujah tonight Songs, and then there is the spirit of a Christian home. Look at verse number 20, giving thanks always, or offer always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A Christian home's a happy home because it's a joyful home. A Christian home is where people give thanks. It's not a home where there's fussing and cussing. It's not a home where mom and dad slugging it out every night. It's not a home, amen, where where they're throwing things at each other and and they're calling each other names. Uh, It's not a a home of doors slamming, amen, and going out back and standing in the yard till you cool off. Uh, It's not a Christian home, amen. Uh, You say, well, what happens if me and her uh, get upset with each other, get right with each other and get right with God, amen, Uh, but don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Uh, Listen, Christian homes, uh, dad don't sleep on the couch and mom sleep in the back room. Somebody say amen. I'm talking about in a Christian home. You listen, you don't go to bed till you get it settled. Amen. That means if you got to sit up all night long, stay up until you get it right. Amen. I'm talking about in a Christian home. You don't hold grudges. You don't stay mad. There's nothing spiritual about being silent. Somebody say amen right there. Don't give your husband the silent treatment. Amen. Oh, I hit, a, I hit something right there, didn't I? I know you men are probably thinking now, preacher, it's all right if she's quiet a day or two. <laughs> Not with that spirit. Don't you men come in and avoid your wife and, and be mad at her because because something that happened, you're just not gonna, you, you gotta make it right, amen. You gotta get it settled. It's got them little things that'll turn out real big. They'll just grow if you just keep letting it go on, but you gotta, you gotta cut it down while it's little, amen. I'm talking about the spirit of a Christian home, the submission of a Christian home. Submit yourselves. Verse 21, one to another. Isn't that interesting? We know the wives are to submit to the husband. But in verse 21, the Bible says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Spirit-filled people don't have no problem being, you know, they don't want to be in charge. There's nothing barbaric about that. Amen. I'm talking about the I'm talking about tonight the Christianity in a home. Secondly, the couple in the home. Notice what he said. He talks about the lady in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. If you got a godly husband that loves the Lord, submit to him, amen. Follow him, support him. That's the role. That's the leadership of the wife is that she stands by her man and that she supports him as he prays and seeks the will of God. And that's the wife's role here is that she's to submit unto her husband. And then there's the leader in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, amen? Even as Christ is the head of the church and he's the savior of the body. And what that means is that we as men, we have a responsibility to lead our family in the right direction. And that means we've got to be spiritual. We've got to be the kind of men that our wives have confidence in us, that we walk with God and that we seek God's will and that we trust the Lord. That's the leader of the home, amen? Amen. The leader of the home's not the mentality, hey, I'm the big cheese. Amen. Amen. I could say something there, but I'm just gonna roll on. I'm talking about, listen. You say, well, preacher, I want you to know I'm in charge. I know you are because she said she was. Amen. I'm the head of the home. You probably aren't. She's the neck turning the hand. You've seen homes like that. They don't make it, amen? I mean, God has a a role for everyone and and a husband and wife that's filled with the Holy Spirit and loves God, they'll talk with each other, they'll work things out, they'll consult with each other. There's nothing barbaric about that. Uh, I mean, listen, you just don't go out and do things, uh, uh, listen, just foolishly, but if you love your wife, you want to consult with her about some things. uh, And if she loves you, she'll want to submit to you. Isn't that right? Uh, I'm talking about the leader. And then notice the Lord, he's in verse number 22. He's also in verse number 23. You know why that is? Because the Lord ought to be working in the wife's life and the Lord ought to be working in the husband's life. Hey, it's the Lord in him and it's the Lord in her in a Christian home. Then there's this lesson. Look at verse number 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands. Notice this. I'm sorry, ladies, but it does say in everything. In everything. In everything, don't be a stubborn wife tonight. Don't be a hard-headed husband. Well, I hope I get out of here alive tonight. I'm talking about if you, if your wife says, "Well, I, I, you know, I got a stubborn streak." Well, get right. That's not a good thing to brag about. If you're a husband, said, "Well, I'm just hard-headed." Well, you need to get right with God about that. That's not a good thing. Well, I've been that way all my life. Well, change. Stop it and do something about it tonight. I'm talking about the lesson is, is that as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be unto their. Then there's the love of, the, of this couple. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. If you look at verse 25, that's an unconditional love. That's how Christ loved the church and it's a sacrificial love. He gave himself for it. You know, I think a husband ought to take care of his wife before he takes care of his own needs according to that verse. Can I get a witness on that? That means if you've got 16 shotguns and and a bass boat and a four-wheeler and she don't have a new dress, you need to sell something. Come on now. Don't sell the shotguns, amen. Sell the four. Sell the bass boat first, amen. But I mean, I mean, listen. Don't go out and don't go out and eat a T-bone steak, and your wife's sitting at the house eating a bologna sandwich. You ought to feel like a you ought to feel like a dog for doing something like that. Amen. I'm talking about. Listen, her needs come first. Can I get a witness? At least you ladies say, Amen. I'm talking about. Hey, love your wife, as so ought men. Look at verse twenty-eight. To love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Two flesh has become one. Amen. No man hates his flesh, but he. Cherisheth and he it. I'm telling you, we've got a responsibility to love our wives. Now that, you can't do that loving somebody else's wife. Can I get a witness on that? I'm telling you, love your wife and, and care for her and stand behind her and be a comfort and be a security to your wife. You know, God made women, they're not insecure, but God made women to need that security that can only come from a husband. And it ought to be the responsibility of all of us men to make our wives feel as secure as possible. Notice this. The Bible talks about here the leaving. Look at verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they shall too shall be one flesh. You know, when you get married, you got to move out. Somebody say amen. I never figured that about these folks that want to get married and they still want to stay at home. That's got to be a hard life to live. You got to move out. Can I get a witness on that? When I got married, my dad said, you can't live here. I said, don't want to. Amen. <laughs> been good for 18 years, but hey, I wasn't about to move, we wasn't about to move in, amen? And you know what? After all these years, I love them, they love me, I still don't want to live with them and they still don't want to live with me, amen? Hey, you know what? Listen, it's just not gonna work. There's gonna be conflict, you know why? Because that's a Bible principle. You say, well, I just don't know if I can move out and leave mama's cooking, then you need to stay home, amen? Uh, you're not ready to get married. Uh, you say, well, uh, I just don't know if I can, uh, can I can leave uh, out from under death shelter then you're not ready to get married amen hey listen if you cleave you have to leave amen that's what the principle is uh, and my friend God uh, made it that way he, every home is its own institution and every husband is the priest of his own home tonight nevertheless look what it said in verse 33 let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Don't ever tell anything bad about your husband. Don't ever tell somebody something. they ought to be a they ought to be a secrecy, a bond between a husband and a wife that each other can trust. Tonight I see the couple in the home, the Christianity in the home then I want you to notice the children in the home. Notice this he talks about the role. children here's your role tonight young people obey your parents. obey your parents in the Lord. You say, why does God want me to do that? Look at the rest of this verse. For this is right. It's always right to obey your parents. And then he said, he talks about their reverence, honor thy father and mother. When you get older and you move out, you ought to honor mom and dad. That means treat them with respect. That means never talk back to them, never, back, never bad mouth them, amen? Hey, listen, if you got a young person that likes to talk back, there's a quick way to fix that, amen? You get you a hickory, get you a bell, amen? You set their fields on fire, amen? I'm talking about, listen, set them on fire. You know what'll happen? They might try that once. They might even try it twice. But if you set it on fire good enough, all you got to do is pull out my mother pull a hickory out like a sword. Amen. I'm telling you the truth. I mean, she had a hickory so long, we had a 76 impala. I'll tell you what, that hickory was so long, she'd lay it on the dashboard of that impala, and Brother Laddie, it'd start on this side, and he would go all the way across that dashboard, and when it got to the end, it curled up on the end. Amen? And I'm telling you, listen, when she striped your legs, uh, you sure didn't want to get the curl on you. Amen? I'm talking about, friend, it was the whipping post. Uh, but you know what? Uh, she'd put that on there, and listen, me and my brother's always getting in trouble. He's four years younger than I was, uh, so what Whatever trouble we got in, he got blamed for it, amen. That's right. Do you know what? She'd put that hickory on that dashboard and she'd say, now boys, if I have to say anything, you're gonna get that hickory. Anybody remember that? Oh, hickory tea. Oh, they think it's child abuse now. You know why? Because they never been whipped with a hickory. They went to daycare and sat in out. amen. I wish we had timeout when I was a kid, amen. Nobody thought of it in the 80s. Amen. But I'm telling you, some liberal come along in the 90s and said, time out. I said, time out for what? Amen. Time out for daddy or mom to catch their breath. Uh, Amen. Time out for you to quit doing the war dance. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. I know what time it is. Uh, I'm just telling you tonight, uh, hey, listen, the reason we're in so much trouble uh, is because people have been sent off to some college somewhere uh, and listen, some numbskull has educated them uh, and they're not believing in the whipping their children. and and now they sit down and counsel them uh, and they ask them a blue million questions uh, as to why they're doing what they're doing. I tell you, it's not nothing that Hickory Tea won't solve. Uh, Get you a good one, use it once or twice uh, and they'll never do it again. Y'all please say amen over here. That's right. You know what? It's right, isn't it? Reverence. And then there's the reward. You say, well, Preacher, why would you preach that? I know all you young people say, why would you encourage your, my mom and dad to whip me this week? <laughs> well, if you do right, you don't have to get one. But here's, here's why the reward is this. It's the first commandment we promise. That it may be well with the. Hey, look at me tonight. You know what Proverbs says about a parent that won't whip their children? It said they hate their son. Amen. He that loveth him, him be times. I want to tell you tonight, no parent enjoys chastisement. God gave them a place, God gives you an instrument. It ought to, to whip them with, not your hands. Your hand ought to be a, a sign of love and care and compassion and support and strength and all those things. Don't use your hand. Use, amen. Use a paddle. Use something, amen. Get something that they identify that with judgment. Hang it on the wall, praise God. In their bedroom. <laughs> That's right. It's crazy you got to preach that stuff now, but there's a generation that don't know that anymore. I want to say this tonight. The reward is it'll be well with the young people, and you may live long on the earth. And then I want you to notice the raising. And you fathers, provoke not your children unto wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Do you know, I read that for a long time, and I wondered, how do you provoke your children to wrath? I preached this in these things here in a sermon somewhere a few, uh, maybe back in December, but I think it's worthy to mention them again. How does a parent provoke their child to wrath? I'll tell you how. When a parent denies that child of what is absolutely needful in their life, not taking care of them, not giving them food, not giving them proper raiment. And I'm not talking about $300 pair of tennis shoes, but I'm talking about just taking care of your your the children that God gave you. How many children should you have? As many as you can take care of, amen? I've always thought it was foolish to pray about a car and not pray about anything else, amen, and not pray about having children. Let God lead you and guide you and be led by the Lord, amen. And Then, how do you provoke a child to wrath when parents are partial? I don't care, if you've got a boy and a girl, you have to treat them both the same. Well, preacher, I don't know if I can whoop that girl. You better learn how. If you don't, she'll, she'll break your heart in a thousand pieces. She's got a fallen nature just like that boy. And I want to tell you, don't show partiality. It'll provoke them to wrath. I want to tell you, when a parent responds out of anger, it provokes that child to wrath. You're building the principle. You're instilling anger, that characteristic of anger. If you whip them out of anger, listen, there's a way. There's a right way to discipline. I want to say, when a parent disciplines a child without a worthy cause, it provokes them to wrath. When a parent lectures a child over and over. You know, nobody likes to be lectured. If I got up here tonight and lectured you for an hour, would you enjoy that? Why no. In fact, I've been in services. I hope it's not that way tonight. I've been in services where it felt like a lecture and I just assume I have a whipping. Amen. It's a whole lot quicker. Don't lecture your child. Teach them. Get to the point and stop. Can I get a witness on that tonight? When a parent does something that's disgraceful, brings shame to the family, hypocrisy and sin, it'll provoke them to anger. Adultery is a good example of that. A lot of children have battled bitterness and anger over the sins of their father or their mother. When a parent humiliates or makes fun of a child's weakness, you know, every child has a weakness. One child can do something another child can't do, but don't make fun of that weakness. Teach them, train them. I'm telling you, don't humiliate your children. They'll be bitter. They'll they'll be full of anger. When a parent lays a command or demand on a child that they cannot perform. You know, I don't think you ought to expect out of a two-year-old what you expect out of a 10-year-old. Somebody say amen. Isn't that right? You got to give them time. You got to let them grow up. You got hey hey, you got to let them be a child. Amen? You got to let them be, when they're a toddler, you got to let them be a toddler. When they're, well, listen, when they, they become an adolescent, you got to let them be uh, that adolescent. When they're a teenager, they're to be a teenager. But I'm telling you, don't wear the badge of pride of, my child can do this and my child can do that. It may impress everybody else, but I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll raise a child that you provoked them to wrath and anger, my friend, because the demand was too great. It'll defeat a child. If they feel like they can never measure up, it'll defeat them. They'll give up. They'll say within their heart, Watch the use? I'm so glad God don't treat us that way. I miss the mark every day, but I'm glad there's grace. When a parent lectures instead of teaches, and then when a parent fails to show genuine love toward their child, you know, I'm convinced, not when they do wrong But I'm convinced that every child needs their dad, needs their mom to put their arm around them on a consistent basis and just pull them up close and say, I love you. Is that right tonight? I don't care if you're a mother. I don't care if your son is is 17 years old. You ought to tell him, and I'm sure that you would, Dad, you ought to do the same. And that's so important tonight. And when the parent lowers the standard of living in the home, they provoke that child to wrath. tonight I want to close with this the conflict in the home look at verses 10 through 18 I'm not going to preach these verses tonight I just want you to simply see this he says finally my brethren he gives, he gives all this this admonition you know why? because Paul knew there's a war not only on the church but it's on the home tonight hell's coming for your children just like it's coming for mine you say well your children's grown doesn't make no difference tonight The devil never gives up. Just because they left my home doesn't mean he's not after them tonight. He's after your grandchildren. He's after your spouse tonight. The Bible says, as a roaring lion, he walketh about not seeking what he may devour, but seeking whom he may devour tonight. And Paul gives an encouragement here. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. That's in the power of his mind. Hey, you can raise a Christian home in these last days. Can I get an amen on that? You can raise godly children in an ungodly hour. You can have a home that honors God. God you can't have a home that believes the Bible we can't have a home that honors him and has character and has respect and has virtue and has values I I know this world's turned upside down but we don't have to roll over hey God said all the encouragement you need is right here because God said if you're willing to put this in shoe leather God said I'll tell you what you can do you can be strong in the Lord and raise godly children then there's the enemy Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may stand against the wiles of the devil. In verses 13 through 17, he deals with the devil, but he deals with the equipment. If you go home and read these verses tonight, I want to tell you, he gives those pieces of armor. And I'll tell you what it is. It's everything we need to be the husband, the wife, the young person, the parent that God wants us to be. You think about putting that whole armor on So we can go out and fight that battle for the Lord. But can I tell you where the biggest battle is? It's not at the workplace, it's not at the school, it's in your home tonight. When you leave this church here in a few moments and you go home, the biggest battle will be right there. What you and I do from Sunday to Sunday really determines what kind of a home we have. It's not how good of a church I go to. It's not how great of a Sunday we had. I'll tell you, we've had good Sundays in this church. And I'm telling you, before Wednesday night rolled around, I've had families come up and say, we're leaving, we're gone. And they didn't go to another church. They went out in the world. You see that tonight? The devil, he wants your home. There's an enemy. But I want you to notice verse 18, the energy. Where do we get the energy to fight this warfare? Look at it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching them too with all what? Perseverance and supplication for all saints. Hey, I want to tell you something tonight. The war on this home is not going to stop. If you and I are going to raise godly young people, if we're going to keep our home together, our spouses, if we're going to stay married 50 years, like he said this morning. I'll tell you how it's gonna happen. You're gonna to have to pray and you're gonna have to persevere. You gotta make your mind up tonight that if everybody in this church quits, including the preacher, including the deacons, if everybody here quits, if everybody in your home quits, you're still gonna live for God. You gotta make your mind up tonight that no matter, mom and dad, what my children do when they get older, I'm gonna stay the course. I'm not going to go to another church because it's what, you know, a contemporary, worldly, liberal church, just because it's what the children want tonight. I'm going to stay faithful. You say, Brother Gravely, do you ever reach a point that the warfare lets up? I'm going to tell you, you'd have to ask somebody older than me, but I'd say not so. I was standing at the back door of a church a few couple years ago, and a man that, in a certain area, that always came to to, to our meetings when we were in that area, he about 85, 86 years old, always smiling, always happy, always smiling. And I always looked for him when I'd go to that certain little area of churches. He came to the back door that night and shook my hand and standing there, he wasn't smiling this time, but tears were dripping off his chin. 85, 86, I'm just guessing his age. But after 64 years of being married, He stood there and he said, preacher, pray for me. He couldn't hardly get it out. He said, my wife left me after 64 years. That's almost unheard of, isn't it? You say, preacher, how is that possible? I'm going to tell you tonight how it's possible. The devil never quits tonight.